0: Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Careers You Did Not Know About podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kazminski, and we are discussing the future of the water and wastewater industry and the people that run it. And uh, for our first episode, uh, this is the uh, the premiere episode. We have a very, very special guest with us uh, on the line, and we have our uh Basically, she is the branch chief from the Department of Public Health with Lori Matthews. So, Lori, how are you?
1: Good morning, Dave. I'm very well. Thank you for
0: having me. Well, uh, you know, this is going to be... Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to start this series off with you because uh, you are the uh, the head linchpin, so to speak, on you know uh, everything about water in Connecticut. And we certainly appreciate all your efforts and all your years of service, and uh, not only that, all your knowledge base. So thanks for coming on, and hopefully we can share with our young listeners uh, how you got into the industry and and, and go from there. So uh, so starting things off, uh, tell us a little bit about your day job.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Oh well, my day job I am I am an employee at the Department the State Department of Public Health in Hartford. I have been employed with this department ever since I walked out of college at UConn up in stores uh, in May of uh, nineteen eighty-eight. Wow! So I'm I'm yeah exactly right a long time. <laughs> so coming up, I think I, I think that's thirty four years. I you know I have a i hard time even admitting it these days.
0: Now you're still on um, the honeymoon.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I am I am uh, known as a, a public health branch chief. That's my formal title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, as a branch chief, I oversee the, um, the drinking water section and the environmental health section and a branch administrative and programs uh, section. So we have uh, oversight uh, of drinking water in the state of Connecticut when it comes to public water supplies. And we uphold primacy of the federal law that oversees drinking water since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the Safe Drinking Water Act. Uh, is administered by EPA, the federal level. We take their laws and all of their rules and incorporate them into um, the state of Connecticut laws and have to enforce and compliance with our public water systems, which there are 2,400 of that serve about 2.9 million people in the state of Connecticut. That's one side. And then there's a branch administration group, which is a lot of administrative functions. There's many federal grants across my group, as well as um, a lot of refills of positions constantly coming and going. And also, we have a very exciting uh, new effort ongoing with emerging contaminants. We have new units that deal with emerging contaminants and work with our colleagues in state agencies, as well as a new Office of Climate and Public Health, which we're very excited, we're very excited to stand up. Um, and so there's, that's the, the branch part, uh, branch administration part with some programs, as well as also the third leg of the branch is environmental health. Um, Section Chief Jim Benoit uh, oversees that and it's a variety of environmental uh, health items, such as it goes all the way from food to asbestos. We have an asbestos program. We have a radon program. Uh We have a private well program. We have a pool regulatory program. We have a septic uh, um, environmental engineering program. Um, We have a lead program. uh, And we have a beaches program. Wow. So, And we have uh, occupational health. It just keeps going. (laughs) We have occupational health. Wow. We have an environmental data program. And we have um, a group of toxicologists, and we have a group that, that do environmental assessment
0: in so, um, public health assessment. So when you, uh, you know, rolling back the calendar, okay, when you were in high school, did you have any aspirations, or what were your aspirations as far as career paths? <laughs> do tell. Uh,
1: it's a really good question. Well, um, my thing was, uh, there were two things in my, when I was in junior high and high school. Was number one was to I wanted to be an engineer. Okay. I, I really wanted to be an engineer. I I thought a lot about, um, you know, as kids do, dreams. You know, I wanted to fly fighter jets. Sure.
0: <laughs> that why was not? Was one
1: of my first things. I was being recruited because I also played basketball. My two things were basketball and engineering.
0: Were you? And, a, were um, you a product of Geno?
1: Um. Well, I I, I ended up. Doing fairly well at Ellington High School, and and um, was recruited by many colleges, and decided to um, take a, a scholarship from the University of Connecticut. Gino was not the coach at that time. Oh, uh, but I did play for him for two years, nice. uh, my junior and senior year. Yes, I had I had the great pleasure of, um, you know, playing for a, who is now a Hall of Fame coach um, and a wonderful uh, person, Absolutely. wonderful personality, and I, I tell people all the time. A lot of people ask me, what is he like? I said, he's the most difficult personality I've ever, ever dealt with. Uh-huh. But he's fair, but he's tough. Yeah, extremely tough. And so I know a lot of people, um, uh, you know, always ask me that question about him. But, you know, back to my high school days. so I was really very interested in engineering. And at that time, sort of a fun story. Um, my senior year, we started to get the new computers,
0: ah. <laughs> and technology. They were, the,
1: they were, yeah, the technology. We had the first computer class ever ah. in our high school, my senior year, and it was exciting. And I really wanted to get involved in computer engineering. Nice. And that was my that was my first um, first classes at UConn. That's what I was. My first degree was in engineering. Uh-huh. Uh, it, I didn't make it really far. I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I realized I, I liked mechanical and civil engineering better, so yep. I focused in on those. Um, took a lot of classes. Um, playing basketball at Division I and doing engineering labs didn't quite mix in my, in, and I realized that I needed to maybe change course a bit, so I did that and um, uh, went into the school of wu sciences and finish my career and degree in environmental planning ah. and it's an individualized major that um, incorporates four disciplines um, which are sort of fun right so me- mechanical and civil engineering are two of the disciplines that are part of my major the other two are geography and anthropology oh so that's uh, a mix sorry. yeah so it was it's uh, a quite you know i love the well-roundedness of it, I was able to incorporate the, the classes that I took in engineering um, that I still to this day still enjoy thinking about. Um, I, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I love differential equations. I love the upper division calculus. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Just couldn't do well on tests, but man, I. <laughs> other than that, I, I loved and enjoyed that. I loved enjoyed math very much, um, chemistry as well as physics. Um, were a big part of my my classes um, in the School of Engineering, Um, very much enjoyed all of that, as well as then incorporating in my junior and senior year geography, geology, anthropology, um, and then thinking about the environment. took a lot of classes in environmental planning, environmental uh, management, environmental Uh science, which really got me interested in mixing all of those disciplines.
0: Yeah. Sure, and
1: and with anthropology as well, and the study of people, study of culture. Um,
0: well, you so, get you get to do a lot of that in your day job.
1: <laughs> I do, <laughs> yeah. I do. So I feel very lucky, and you know, very very blessed to be in the space at this moment in time. Given what I did study in school, I was able to get a job. Um, actually I got, I got this job at the Department of Public Health in April of 1988. Wow before it, I actually graduated from UConn. uh-huh is that um, a, an
0: internship so, program?
1: No no it, it actually was a, full, a full-time job really I guess they don't do that today right? so it's, <laughs> it's, they it's... don't let you uh, get a full-time job until after you graduate okay. but at that time um, you know it was it was a thing and so the one thing that was really, Instrumental, that started, you know, along with me taking the classes that I did um, in my individualized major. I needed to take a full-time internship ah. that was part of my part of my major. Uh-huh. So, in working up at UConn with the people in the Cooperative Extension group, which I believe is still up there, uh-huh. they were instrumental with connecting me with a state job, and oh, internship. Okay. And I had a few to choose from, and uh, all of them were with the DOT.
0: Oh, okay. So, so they weren't necessarily up, with water then?
1: No, I ended up working because it was more on the engineering side. Oh, okay. There was, some, some, uh, there was an internship in highways. There was an internship in airports. There was an internship oh. in, in the railroad.
0: Okay. The railroad. Oh, um, wow.
1: So I ended up working in the railroad planning section. At the DOT for six months, which the people that were there, I believe, are all now retired. But James Boyce was my very first supervisor uh-huh. uh, professionally, and he helped me along. He said, you know, Laurie, you know, it was we were doing spreadsheets. You know, Quattro uh-huh. Pro and Lotus One Two Three. Oh my and God! You remember all of it? <laughs>
0: oh my God! Right, the good
1: old days. Yeah. Right? Doesn't it take you back? Oh right? yeah. So I learned that, and we did spreadsheets, and we we're doing a lot of planning about Metro North. Um, we were doing a railroad survey about people's, you know, comfort on the rail lines and what people wanted. So we went off to the rail station and went and did the survey. I actually got. I was invited to a meeting, and I got to go on the train and ride in the front of the train hey, to go down go. to New York City and meet with the people from Metro North uh, from New York City. Very exciting, and got a lot of chance to get out and get out in the field and experience what they what they did and the struggles that they had. They had a lot of struggles, and they were you know constantly trying to get funding to um, update their the rail cars uh, at the time, yep. and to extend rail lines and And uh, so it was a great experience, and it helped me. And the people there helped me get a job in the state. Ah, okay. And helped me. And and after I accepted the job here at the Department of Public Health, a few months went by, and Jim Boyce offered a job to me at DOT. By that time, I had accepted this job. Ah. So
0: So, so your first job in the water industry was uh, after that, or...?
1: Yes, so my my the job that I accepted in April of 1988 was a job with the Department of Public Health, Uh uh, working in the drinking water section.
0: Oh, okay, there you go.
1: Right. So I started in May, right after graduation ceremonies. Uh Started in May, and my title was Planning Analyst Career Connecticut Career Trainee. Uh And what I and I was a trainee for two years and uh, worked. On reviewing water supply plans. Water supply, there was a new law in 1985 that required water supply plans from every public water system, every larger public water system, and the review and the approval of those plans, those laws were just written by Maureen Westbrook and Denise Rizika.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: uh, yeah, and Denise Rizika and Jim O'Connolly were the people that hired me. Wow. Um, they brought me to the Department of Public Health. So uh, I was able to learn a lot, not only in reviewing water supply plans, but I was, you know, my first mentor was Jim O'Fongley, as well as Denise Reseika. They taught me a lot. Um, And I think it's getting into, getting into anything and getting into your careers. There's a lot of people that help you along the way.
0: Right, right. Whether
1: you realize it or not, you know.
0: And, and that was before uh, Denise went over to the DEP, correct?
1: Right. So Denise went over to the DEP in 1999, yeah. I believe. But and she um, she was with the Department of Public Health in the 1980s yes. um, and left in 1999.
0: Yes, I work with her quite but, a bit on water conservation.
1: Oh, water conservation in the early 1990s, sure. the retrofit program. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, a series of water conservation laws that were passed in the early 90s, I mm-hmm. helped. Worked with her on that. Yeah. We also worked on the Water Utility Coordinating Committee process, which is yep. up and running, known as the WOC process. Yeah. So I was doing regional water supply planning, individual water supply planning, water conservation. Right. Uh, and then, along comes the 1996 Safe Drinking Water Act amendments. Yeah. If you remember, way back, way back when, very <laughs> significant. I uh, do. A law signed by President Clinton. Yeah. Um, and uh, changed the way. Investment happens. Yeah. And then, uh and, and investment dollars came along under the the Drinking Water State Revolving Loan Fund was created for drinking water. Yeah. It had existed for the sewer side for, for over ten years, but did not. There was not a program for drinking water. So under the amendments of '96, um, this was created. And also, source protection planning uh, funding for source protection assessments. Uh, so I started working on not only the work plans. As Denise left, we were drafting <clears throat> a source water assessment plan and the work plan uh, right. for that funding. So it was a a very significant time um, in the 1990s with the influx of um, a, an enormous amount of funding right. toward uh, infrastructure and aging infrastructure and working really hard to stand up a program to move the money forward. And right. what's interesting now, and, and fast forward to today, there is another influx of funding. Yes. Um, very similar, but, but almost triple the amount from way back in 1996. So the the bipartisan infrastructure law, also known as EJA, it's either Bill or EJA. <laughs> I want to pick, pick your... Take your, cho- take your choice on what, what acronym to use. So right. We're calling it the, the bill at this point, the bipartisan right. infrastructure law passed in uh, November of last year by Congress, which supplies three times the amount of funding that we've had for investment in aging infrastructure for our public water systems, but not only that, but for lead service line identification and removal,
0: right, and also
1: right. to address emerging contaminants, uh-huh. and a little bit of money for cybersecurity and resiliency. Wow. Uh, so there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot, and it, it takes me back to 1996 and the work that was ongoing with Denise, Rizika, and Jim O'Kongley at the time. To and Jerry Iwan, if you remember Jerry Iwan, yes, who I was do. The section chief.
0: Now, did Jerry um, take over after Jim, or?
1: Um, Jerry Iwan started in 1988 as yep. the section chief yep. um, at right around the same time I started.
0: Okay. So Jerry
1: was the section chief. Jim O'Cronley was underneath him as oh, okay. the head, of, uh, head section um, uh, position overseeing planning. Yep. And Ray Jarema was overseeing engineering. Yes. And both Jim Jim and Ray reported to Jerry. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry started in nineteen eighty eight, came home from New York City where he was working. So wow. Um, there was a lot of work at those times to to address the um, the influx of funding sure. and how it was really changing the work that we did. So yeah. I've I've been blessed for for decades to be in a in a position where um, the federal government has highlighted, yeah, uh, the need for for investment in drinking water, public drinking water systems, yeah, um, and with all of that funding, we're also able to hire staff yeah. to be able to help with uh, moving the money out the door, but also enforcement and compliance, wow. um, and all of the administrative functions that go along with it.
0: Now, now you mentioned Maureen Westbrook. Now, was she? Uh, I, I think she started out at DEEP, didn't she originally?
1: She started at the Department of Public Health.
0: Did she? Okay.
1: Did that's, that's what I know. Maureen Westbrook in 1980s, by the time I started in 1988, she
0: had left. Okay. But
1: she was here, and she was at the Department of Public Health writing regulation Okay. Um, and working on statutes. And so uh, her, Ann Gobin, I don't know if you remember Anne Gobin.
0: I do remember dad, the name, yes.
1: Um, and Denise Rizeka. Oh, yes. Uh, they were all here and working on um, on all of the efforts that came out of the 1980-81 drought. The sure. water There was a Water Resources Task Force that came out of the 1980-81 drought. Wow. They produced a report. They passed a whole series of laws in 1984, 1985. Yep. Many of the laws that, we're, that we work on today, all the planning laws for water supply, the drought planning yes. laws. Yes. Um, the water conservation laws, the source water protection laws—many of them were passed at that
0: time. Yeah, well, and, and more. Just so you know, Maureen's on the short list of, of, of being on this podcast, uh-huh. and she's uh, so, covers yeah, a lot of history good. throughout the state, as well as uh, Ray Gerama. Sure. Uh, Ray's now—I think—is right. he in? He's in Bristol now, isn't he?
1: He's in
0: Berlin. Berlin, he's I, I know. Right, he's the
1: manager of the Berlin Water uh, Water uh, Water Commission
0: wow. Water System. God,
1: Yes, he's still in the industry, and and we work with him um, in that regard.
0: So, wow, unbelievable. Unbelievable. There's a lot of water under the bridge, Uh, you know, as far as the, you know, as we start to roll out this podcast, it's going to be amazing how we're going to be connecting the dots, if you would, because – you know, it's a relatively small community and, uh, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the features that we're trying to get out to, you know, the younger people that are, that are looking for careers and, you know, whether it being in engineering, like, uh, you sought, or even just, uh, um, to go from a standpoint of be becoming a, a, a treatment plant operator or, or whatever, but, uh, there are so many jobs, uh, in this industry. Um, and I, I, Talking with Bill Sullivan and one of your staff, and he's going to be on also. Um, you know the stats are, are are staggering of the amount of people that are going to be retired or eligible to be retired. And uh, you know, I think when I started and I became an operator, I think there were like uh, over eight hundred uh, certified operators in the state. And the last time conversation I had with Bill, I think we're down to like four hundred fifty operators in the state. So that that's uh, that's a staggering uh, staggering statistics.
1: It is because the certified water operators are a group of people that run our water system sure. across our city. They're the people that in day in and day out do the work that, that nobody sees. Yes. But is mission critical to making sure water is when I mean, you turn your faucet on in Hartford or you in Bridgeport, in anywhere. Sure. In Meriden, in Wallingford, in Norwich, in Putnam. In Salisbury, you know, in Sherman, if you turn the water on, and it's drinkable, you know that there's a, a lot of effort. There's a lot of effort that goes on behind the scenes. Certified water operator is a career. It's a great career.
0: You know, it's it, also it a is, career. Bill, yeah. It's also a career that you don't necessarily have to have a college degree to get started in. You know, uh, Correct. certainly. Correct. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the hands-on, you know, whether it being a cross-connection inspector or whether it be treatment plant operator, just, you know, a meter reader or construction, you know, these are jobs that, that are out there in, in the industry. And uh, these are careers that, uh, you know, nobody ever sees that make, make this industry go. And it makes, uh, you know, uh, potable water is, you know, you're on – uh, so to speak, the, the the upper part of the food chain, if I can, you know, use that analogy. But uh, from the regulatory side, but there's a whole lot of happening uh, down, you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of uh, every water system in the state, you know, that uh, has a, uh, have a, a, a certified operator to, to run it.
1: Yes, I, I would say the the most important job is a certified water operator. The, the people that are are out at the pump station in the middle of the night, making sure that pump station yeah. is still working.
0: Or fixing a and leak. In the, the,
1: <laughs> fixing a leak in the middle of the night, you know, when everyone else is sleeping, they are in the freezing weather, um, in horrible conditions, yes. doing their job. Yeah. Doing their job and doing it well and knowing how to do it is so very important and getting the training. So I know Bill's going to talk more about all of the details, but I will tell you that this influx of funding that I spoke of, this infrastructure funding, yep, it, we ha- we have a great need for people to do the work to uh, to, to put replace water mains, to upgrade treatment plants. There's a lot of jobs that will come about because of this on, on the plumbing side, on the sure. electrical side, yep, um, and on the certified water side. They're, they're there, it's like almost, it, it is in our state, all hands on deck when it comes to using this funding in an appropriate manner. Uh, our job is, is very much administrative. We yeah. have to make sure the federal, you know, this money comes in, is programs, money that comes in through EPA, comes into our Department of Public Health to administer. We have primacy of the Safe Drinking Water Act. We, we have a drink, uh, drinking water state revolving loan fund program which has been around since 1996. That money comes here. We administer it. We have uh, Cam Walden, who's the lead engineer, mm-hmm. and a group of engineers that oversee it. But the plans that are drawn, um, the work that's put forward, uh, the call for projects, as a matter of fact, is going to start soon.
0: <laughs> there we <laughs> go. It'll
1: announce, you know, it's going to start. It's, we're working to, to get that uh, announced. Uh, hopefully, in the next, week or so
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, if not this week there you go. Uh, but we do the administrative function sure you know when the call goes out and then the water utilities are saying what projects do we have yeah well what projects do we have it comes right down to the people that do the work sure. every single day they will recognize the need in certain areas
0: absolutely um
1: and then the water utilities themselves put projects together and ask for funding uh and and hopefully you're able to get a loan from us hopefully highly subsidized loans, to be able to invest in, in fixing or, or working on proactive items um, to address uh, upgrades um, for aging infrastructure. Or, you know, there's always something new on the horizon in drinking water, and the newest thing is uh, the fluorinated compounds and, uh, you know, the threat of contamination. Oh, the, um, the PFAS so and the so, PFAS, yeah. PFAS, you're, always something, we, we have an uptick in sodium and chloride, we have manganese, we have uh, all, so, all sorts of different things in water quality and quantity that we have to uh, manage uh, at the state level, but also utilities manage. Right. So right. there's a lot of work there. There's a lot of functions within a water utility that are, to me, and maybe it's just me, but are very exciting
0: exactly. to work on.
1: Um, and And a lot of hands-on work. Sure. As you mentioned, um, not necessarily need or have to have a college degree to get started.
0: No, absolutely. Um, you know, um, again, when you're talking about, you know, um, e- even from clerical, you've got billing clerks, you've got HR people, you've got accountants. And, you know, all of that, you know, are, are careers, but all of those careers can be applied in the water industry as well. So getting yeah. back to that, mm-hmm. okay, um, what's your favorite memory in the... Uh, in in the in the in the water industry in your <laughs> tenure
1: <laughs> well I, I have so many uh, i w- i will start from way back um, in, in the water industry I, I, again work it's a, it's probably the people that i've worked with so um, in the 1990s working with Denise Rizika uh-huh. on the retrofit kit on the work process the yep. water utility port. it's it's the people that you work with that help you get your you know your career in line, and keep yourself focused on where you need to be. So, working with Denise on that, working with Denise when the, the Safe Drinking Water Act funding came along in '96, and developing the Source Water Protection Work Plan, um, and just working with her. And you know, then when she left, another great memory is actually working with Daryl Smith. If you remember yes. Daryl, Daryl regi- was a Regional Water Authority. Uh, Regional Water Authority retired Vice President, in charge of water, water. Quality and decided he retired and decided he just wanted to come in and do some work and we hired him and, and uh he was wonderful to work with excellent uh technical person uh but also understood the industry and yes. so we had to we had an effort we had a timeline we had to get it done so working with daryl smith Tyler Clay Camp on the source water assessments and getting those done back in April, 2003. Yes. Um, and you know, fast forward a bit, um, the, the state water plan, getting the, being part of the water planning council with yep. Jack Tukowski was thrilling for me. Um, becoming part of the council to represent our agency, uh, is an honor. Um, and, uh, to put together the legislation working with legislators in 2014, that was very significant. Uh, but also helped us, that same legislation that that required the state water plan and gave us a million dollars also helped us with some funding issues that we had, known as the fee assessment, uh, which we were able to get in place. There's a number of legislative initiatives working with our colleagues internally here that we've been able to move forward over the years. Uh, But the state water plan was a big effort on many. Uh, Representative Jonathan Steinberg, uh, being one of the one of the lead, um, Mary Mashinsky, Representative Mary Mashinsky, um, mm-hmm. you know again being being the lead on and the leaders within the legislative session and you know answering their questions, working with them, and seeing how they worked and moved the legislation through the process was very significant
0: Absolutely. for all of
1: us. And to have a state water plan after seventy years of trying <laughs> to have a yes. state water plan was here, and then to. And then to uh, secure the funding, and Dave Levaster from OPM worked really hard to secure the funding and then hire the consultant, CDM Smith, and uh, work with someone like Kirk Westfall, who's brilliant, and put the plan together at, under CDM Smith. It was a wonderful uh, experience and um, I think significant for the state of Connecticut. It's wonderful to be part of that. And now, and now today, as I said here, with many... Um, Additional responsibilities, and with COVID nineteen over the last two years, yeah, that has um, changed the complexion of things. <laughs> it it has; it certainly has. We are now teleworking. Yep. Eighty percent. You know what? What two years have have changed a lot, and we've been able when we were first um, told to go home, and we our our whole mission was. We'll find a way to do it. We'll figure it out. We'll keep everything moving forward. We're not going to let anything drop.
0: And you have. Um,
1: And we haven't. And Well, some things have slowed down, I'll tell you that. Well, It's it's different. It is very different. It's unusual not having face-to-face meetings. I miss not seeing staff every day. You know, I come into my office and I'm here uh, probably 40 or 50 percent of the time and you don't get the chance to see many people but we hope that we can start to get back to a sense of some normalcy where we have some face-to-face meetings and, and um, don't fully rely upon Teams and Zoom and go-to webinar all the time. Um, but COVID has really changed the nature of our work. And, and we are hopefully stronger for it. Sure. And that we will learn a lot about how to use this technology to well, our best advantage.
0: Exactly. So, exactly. Well, yeah. anyway. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on, Laurie, and I know I've had the pleasure of working with you over many, many uh, adventures and, and uh, initiatives from the Sustainability Committee, and I've had a, you know, you mentioned Denise Rosica and Denise and I have, have, have uh, presented conservation uh, presentations across the country, along with Mary Ann, and I've had the pleasure of you know working uh, with those folks, and those are those are certainly great memories. And and uh, again, that's the whole focus of our you know careers you didn't know about in the water industry. And uh, we we certainly appreciate you coming on in the. Uh, premiere episode of our careers in the water industry and we look forward to uh again connecting dots with a lot of the people that you mentioned that that we're going to talk about and hopefully uh get the word out about uh all these great careers that are available uh to our young uh, seniors getting out of high school and you know contemplating careers going forward so Again, Laurie Matthew from the State Health Department, our branch chief. Laurie, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, and we look forward to working with you. And we'll probably see you tomorrow afternoon on the uh, uh, Water Planning Council meeting.
1: Absolutely, Dave, and it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you over your decades. I think approaching five decades of your career. Um, I've only been around about three and a half decades of that of that time. But it's been an absolute pleasure of the times that we used to have drinking water week in the,
0: state in the corridor
1: of the, of the state capitol oh, yeah. um, at the legislative office building. Um, those are some of my, one of my, I found a picture the other day of one of, the <laughs> of us at a booth yep. um, in that corridor and promoting uh, drinking water industry and water conservation. And it's, it's been a pleasure working with you. Um, and I really thank you for this. It is needed. It is necessary as people retire from state government. Yes. Um, we we in in droves. Unfortunately, uh, we're losing a lot of experienced people. We need a lot of people to come into the industry, and I hope people take a chance uh, at it and look at it and um, want to give it a shot. For because sure. Because it's it's critical. It's critical. We need we need people coming out of high school to be interested. Great. Um. In, in the work that we do, because you know, safe drinking water is important, and it's a great, great career. It's
0: Absolutely, been wonderful.
1: It's been wonderful for me, and working in public health and environmental uh, issues, environmental health, is um, again, I feel very, very blessed to be in this in this space.
0: Fantastic. All right, Laurie, thank you thank so much. You. And uh, on behalf of all of us here at Careers You Didn't Know About and the, uh, the state of the wa- water and wastewater industry, I'm your host, Dave Kozminski. and stay tuned for uh, future episodes, which are going to be uh, uh, highlighting a lot of the careers and the people that run the industry. So thanks so much, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.